Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money. As I was reading David Choton's Productive Christians in an Age of Guilt Manipulators, I came across the chapter on foreign aid and realized how important that chapter is, as well as how it is a topic that I've never really addressed on the podcast before. So if you want to know what a biblical approach to foreign aid might look like, then keep listening on. Not all of the information in this episode will be directly coming from that chapter since I've added my own thoughts to it. In fact, I don't plan to directly quote the chapter at all, but just summarize some of the things that Choton says there and then adding my own thoughts to what he said in Productive Christians. But before we jump into all that, I have a few housekeeping items to take care of. First, if you like Theana Money, then please subscribe to the podcast to catch future episodes, follow Theana Money on social media, and tell your friends about it. Also, if you subscribe to Theana Money on social media, then you can catch the interview that I just recorded with Rocky on his podcast, For the King, that will drop the Wednesday after this episode drops. You can subscribe to his podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or you can just follow Theana Money on social media, and I will drop a link to that interview when it goes live. So foreign aid is something that we should talk about because there are people in other nations who are suffering. Choton in that chapter of Productive Christians does a lot to undo normal presuppositions around foreign aid and make us think Christianly about it. Before I explain that, I want to say one other thing, so we will go into this discussion with these two things in mind as a grounding of our thoughts about the discussion, one from myself and the other from Shilton. Discussing foreign aid shouldn't even really be done, or at the very least, not put into practice, when we have those who struggle with similar things at home. One episode I plan to do in the future is about order of importance in helping the poor. Men are called first to provide for their households, then for the household of faith, and after that, in expanding circles of relationships. If you give $1,000 a month to your local food bank, but because of that, you can barely afford to put food on the table for your wife and children, you need to repent and stop giving so much to that local food bank. Make sure your family has enough first because they are your first responsibility. If those in my family and at my local church are taken care of, then I should seek to make sure other solid local churches are taken care of. Then those in my community, then work my way outward. So scripture gives us some smaller concentric circles to focus upon before we look at larger ones, and I hope to spend an entire episode digging into that and looking at the scripture that supports it in due time. The other thing to keep in the back of our minds throughout this discussion, the one that comes from Choton, is that we need to stop thinking about foreign aid like unbelievers do. Choton didn't word it exactly like that in the book, 
but I'm both summarizing and expanding what he did say. Don't think pragmatically about foreign aid, as in whatever we think will work best is the best option. Instead, think biblically about foreign aid and what is most in line with scripture, which will have the best long-term results, even if the short-term results are not as good as the pragmatic approach. But we need to think biblically and not pragmatically, or like a secularist, not just about foreign aid, but also about what makes economic progress possible. Knowing what makes economic progress possible will drastically change the way we think about and practice foreign aid. Nations that embrace Christianity, or at least some elements of the Christian worldview, will do better financially and economically than those that reject the Christian worldview and accept paganism or atheism or any other worldview. That is for several reasons. Following God's ways naturally leads to blessings because that is the way God made the world. Examples of this include a better work ethic, rotating crops, not overburdened soil, take from the principle of Sabbath of land, uh, valuing honesty, hating theft, that's just naming a few of them. Also, God blesses those who obey him and curses those who disobey him. Sure, you can't take that too far, and then if you do, you go into things like retribution theology, but we can't go to the other extreme in order to avoid that one and say that God never blesses obedience and never curses disobedience. Those foundations should be something we keep in the back of our minds as we discuss foreign aid. So let's dive into this discussion. Foreign aid can be done on differing levels. It can be done by the government, by churches and nonprofit organizations, by for-profit organizations, and by individuals. Let's examine each of those in light of Scripture and the good and necessary consequence of Scripture. First, we have foreign aid on the governmental level. This is one nation's government giving foreign aid to another nation. If you are at all familiar with Theana money, you probably know that I am against this and think it is wrong. But let's look at some of the supposed benefits and positives of this to try to give it the best chances. A nation with a large economy such as the United States has much more money at its disposal than just about any individual or organization. So if drastic aid is needed by a nation due to some horrific event, then the U.S. government could much more easily and quickly raise the, say, tens of millions of dollars necessary than private citizens or an organization could. Even the Southern Baptist Convention, the largest conservative, or at least right now mostly still conservative, denomination in the country could probably raise even millions of dollars quite quickly if some sort of tragedy struck because of its size and connections. Even as large as the SBC is, it probably couldn't raise as much money as quickly as the U.S. government can, and it is huge, so not every denomination and organization is that big. So there are a lot of other little ones that couldn't raise the money as quickly as something like the SBC. So that's me trying to give some pros to the government foreign aid level. However, government foreign aid fails the test of being pragmatic instead of biblical because that money has to come from one government to get to another. So how does that government get the money? 
Taxes. Unjust taxes. A government only has the excess funds to give larger amounts of foreign aid to a different one if it is either taxing above what God's word allows it to or if it's printing new money, which is inflation and is also a violation of God's commands, adding dross to silver and using unjust balances and scales. This is, I think, the main reason why foreign aid on the governmental level is wrong. It requires the government to violate God's laws in order for it to be possible. Another issue with governmental foreign aid, although this one can happen with any level, it is just more likely with the government level, is one that Chilton pointed out in that chapter. One government often gives money to the government of the other nation rather than directly to those in need. The government officials don't need any help and it either lines the pockets of already well-off bureaucrats instead of going to those who actually need it or it's spent on education and building projects building colleges or roads or bridges or what have you not that education is a bad thing i have several college degrees myself but first the government shouldn't be the one funding those things private enterprises or churches and church organizations should and second, money that goes to help those on the brink of starving to death doesn't help them much when it builds a college instead of buys them food. Next, we have churches and nonprofit organizations. This is when a nonprofit organization or a church directly gives aid to those in another country. If a church sees a need in another country, it can give money to that country by giving extra money to missionaries it supports in the area, or if it's connected with an organization, giving money to that organization to help and give aid to those there. This level is pretty strategic because individuals, which we will mention in a minute, usually aren't able to directly support those in need in other countries themselves, and instead they give money to a church or nonprofit to do the work for them. Those individuals believe, whether rightly or wrongly, that this nonprofit will use their money to help those in the other country who are in need, so they give it away in charity. Going back to the government and the SBC when millions of dollars of relief are needed, I believe the SBC was actually on the ground helping those who were hurt or stranded because of the hurricanes and severe flooding that hit Texas in September of 2017 before the government was. I think even the denomination I was part of at that time, which is much smaller than the SBC, has sent several teams down there to Texas to help the people there before the government sent any substantial amount of relief. So even for all their money and all the other supposed benefits, churches and nonprofit organizations can still get help to people in need faster than the government can oftentimes. We also have for-profit organizations. Now, for-profit organizations, which is just your typical company that exists to make a profit for its owners, they can help those in need in other nations by giving money to nonprofits or churches that are doing the work. But I was thinking of something different with this. Businesses can do foreign aid, a type of foreign aid that might last much longer, by setting up businesses and industries in the other country. By doing this, companies bring jobs to the other nations. More people in these countries can have jobs or jobs that pay more 
than they were able to do before. Plus the job training, the experience, the business skills that come with the new industry. Now the business owner has to make sure that doing this work in the other country is profitable so that he doesn't lose money or go bankrupt over it. Although he could possibly provide training to those in a foreign country and use it as a tax write-off in the United States. And that does make it more difficult than just starting a business in a different country. But if done well, this can be beneficial for the owner, those in the area where he sets up the foreign business, and any investors who see a higher rate of return. In short, this can be beneficial for everyone, despite when people that want foreign aid to be only done on the governmental level, say any business owner who does this is just trying to exploit the people in the foreign country. And then they point out that like, oh, look, see, he's only paying them $2 a day. And then you're like, yes, but also that foreign country has a different cost of living than the U.S. And before he started his business there, they were working somewhere else and making like 75 cents a day. So he like over doubled their income. And you're just over here trying to say what a horrible person he is because you think that only government should be doing foreign aid, which as we are seeing, the government doing foreign aid is actually the worst and most unbiblical form of foreign aid. Then lastly, we have the individual level of foreign aid. Most people probably can't do trips to foreign countries to help those in need there directly. So this is mostly supporting the church and nonprofit organization level of foreign aid by donating to them and allowing them to do their work. So those are the different levels of foreign aid. And my argument is that the government level is wrong and unbiblical, but that the church, nonprofit, for-profit, and individual levels are all okay as long as they are done properly. Let's go back to the church level and talk about the most important type of foreign aid and the one with the most successful and longest lasting influence. Missionary work, as in spreading the gospel. Almost 10 years ago, when I was still in high school, I read a study that this guy spent years doing about missionaries from a couple of centuries ago who were focused on sharing the gospel instead of focused on mercy missions where helping the poor is first and sharing the gospel is second. Not that those who focus on sharing the gospel don't try to help the people physically, but that one must take priority over the other. Those nations where these missionaries went to that were focused on the gospel are better off today. So in other words, those nations that had Protestant missionaries are better off today than those nations that centuries ago didn't have Protestant missionaries, but they either had no missionaries at all or their missionaries were focused on other things, like just trying to get them clean drinking water and not really that focused on the gospel at all. This study was crazy and it really helped me think about things. Fast forward to 2015 and I'm reading Todd Friel's new book, Judge Not. He referenced that study in one of the chapters of his book, bringing it back to my attention and also helping me to find it now, so that way I can talk about it years after I originally read it. Because if it wasn't for remembering Todd Frio talked about it in that book and skimming that book to try to find it, probably would have never been able to find it again. I'll drop an article link in the description of this video if you want to check it out. But in short, Robert Woodbury found that a focus on evangelism made the difference even more than focus on helping the societies and cultures monetarily and physically and things like that. 
Those nations are better off today where these missionaries went to preach the gospel because the gospel makes the difference. The gospel changes nations like nothing else does. Did you hear that? Nations where Protestant missionaries went to first and foremost preach the gospel are better off today, a century or two later, than nations where the focus was on helping the poor, or what we today call foreign aid. The best type of foreign aid, long term, is gospel ministry. When I first read that article, I still thought of it in somewhat secular terms, though still mostly in a Christian way. Reading Choton helped me to change that. I thought about how what this study was showing works because things like becoming more Christianized means that the literacy rate increases so that people can read the Bible once it is translated into their language, and a higher literacy rate is vital to having a developed society. Think about trying to text if you don't know how to read. Just in little things like texting, literacy is important, let alone our road signs and uh, the libraries and things like that. And that is true and is important, but there are other things as well. Things that I think I knew before and even thought about, but I didn't give them the proper importance that they deserved, thinking mostly about stuff like the higher literacy rate from a more Christianized society. But Choton helped me to give a more proper importance to just the simple fact of a Christianized society. Like I said, I don't think I didn't consider these things before, I just never really thought that much or that highly about them. Also, I don't know how much I thought on the flip side about how a non-Christian society can really only go so far as long as they, as a society, are adopting principles that are against God and His Word. And yes, that does mean that some cultures are objectively better than others. That should be common sense for Christians, but it is practically considered blasphemy these days. When the majority of the people in a nation are Christians, or unbelievers who have adopted a fair amount of the Christian worldview, like America's founding father Benjamin Franklin, that society is much better off. For one thing, some pagan religions are just downright harmful to an economy. Sacrificing animals to a demon instead of using them for work or for food or any other good use means that they are not being used for something good and something that would be beneficial to the economy, but are being wasted on something that is a blasphemous sin against God. We see this with how cattle are viewed in India and how harmful that is to their economy. If a pagan culture has so seared their conscience that they start to view things like lying and cheating as a good thing, as if being able to successfully do those things means you are smarter than whoever you ripped off and therefore he deserved it, or something like that, then they will not be as developed as those who view God's commands as good things and where people by and large try to follow God's rules for a society, like honesty and not stealing. Not only does adopting Christianity benefit a nation because they stop doing harmful pagan or atheistic things, but also because they start doing beneficial Christian things. The Protestant work ethic is a real thing, even if it is unfortunately becoming lost to some extent and needs to be recovered. Seeing all work as something that should be done to God's glory and something a man should do to provide for his family 
leads people to work hard and develop that Protestant work ethic that built America. So working hard, being honest, which includes having just scales and balances, not lying, treating your customer as you would want to be treated when buying from someone else, and the regeneration and being filled with the Holy Spirit that makes this all possible drastically benefits a society. Then throw onto all that the stuff I already said about literacy and such, and you have a recipe for a nation that can do really well. But to make it even better, there is real blessing from God for obedience and real curses for disobedience. So you have all of the natural benefits that God wrote into the world he made that naturally make obedience have better results than rebellion, and you also have God's divine blessings on obedience, and you have, a res- as a result, nations that are truly blessed and that do better than other nations because they, like I said, cultural blasphemy, have better cultures and are more in line with the way the world actually operates. Think about it. When a nation survives off of foreign aid that they don't have to work for, then they could become dependent and laziness can be promoted. But when a man sees it as his responsibility to work hard for God's glory, to provide for himself and his family, and be able to give to others in need until they too can provide for themselves, that really changes a nation. This is real foreign aid that lasts. This is teaching a man to fish instead of giving him a fish. Our primary goal in foreign aid should be to alleviate immediate issues necessary for survival and preach the gospel and help the people to become self-sufficient and independent. The most important of those three things is to preach the gospel. So I said three things there. I said making sure they can survive. This is like giving them food and clean water and stuff like that. Then preaching the gospel. That was two, preaching the gospel, discipling them. And three, helping them to become self-sufficient, helping them to be able to provide for themselves. We want to do all three of those, but the second one I listed is actually the most important, the preaching the gospel and discipling them part. Because then they can become mature believers in our King and our Lord, Christ Jesus. Preaching the gospel to those in need and doing what we can to help them get off their feet and become self-sufficient, that might not be as flashy as the U.S. government just dropping hundreds of millions of dollars in foreign aid, but it will do immensely more to actually help those people for generations to come. So in summary, foreign aid shouldn't be done in a way that requires taxation or in a way that just subsidizes the pagan lifestyles of inhabitants without calling them to change and obey God. Instead, foreign aid should be focused on evangelism and discipleship. Then secondary to that is the support with money and goods of those in the nation. It might sound rough that the gospel is more important than even food, but that's true. The gospel is more life-saving to a man dead in his sins than bread is to a man starving to death. That was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. Silver
satisfies my soul. It revives me and satisfies me. Your law is sweet, oh you.